worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good takes. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> It's Sarah, and it's the Homance Chronicles, and I'm really excited because it's Nicole's birthday today, and she's actually recording with me on this monumental day of her life. <laughs> yes, officially middle-aged. Um, I am I am oh. spending my 40th birthday on Zoom with you. <laughs> but you did some cool shit today because you're like getting ready to go to fucking Greece. Yeah, I know. I really didn't, um, I don't know, care that much about the day of, day before, whatever, like, since I had a party on Saturday and I'm leaving for Greece for weeks, so. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's a Monday that we're recording. I mean, what are you going to do, honestly? No, you're not going to do anything but hang out with your BFF and record a podcast and pack for Greece. That's it. That's your 40th, yeah. actual 40th birthday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also look at all the sweet gifts you got. <laughs> I I was actually very overwhelmed by how many gifts that I that I got. Like oh, it wow. felt very much like a uh, bridal shower or something. It was set up like something similar for sure. Yep. Um. Well, I mean, not just this, not the setup, but just the fact that gift table. So many people actually bought me things because like, I know, so, but it's just, it's so kind. Like I just, I don't put any pressure on it. Right. I'm like, if you want to, if you feel like it, like, I don't. (laughs) Yeah, no, I completely, I'm the same way. Cause I'm like not good at giving gifts. So I don't expect people to give me gifts, you know? Oh, well, I don't expect people to give me gifts because. I'm already asking for your time, Mm -hmm. I guess. Like, since I invited people to a party and they were going to have to, you know, make time on their weekend and a lot of people had to drive, you know, attend it, attend the party, (laughs) 40, 40 ish minutes, an hour or whatever, um, back and forth and whatnot. I don't know. I mean, plus I'm an adult, right? Like. But it it was amazing to receive so many gifts, considering I I was prepared to buy some of these things myself if I didn't get them because their majority of the gifts that I requested were practical travel items. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let me let me do my fortieth by getting practical travel items. <laughs> yeah, so. At least I didn't have to spend the money on it. I'm a practical lady. <laughs> you know? But also, you will be traveling in the future, too. So these are things you will need. Well, right. It's not like a one-time thing, <laughs> obviously. But I did have some friends that gave me some things that were not on my list that really pleasantly surprised me. So that was nice to have a couple in there where I was like, oh. Yeah. You know, they didn't follow the the protocol. protocol. which i certainly didn't follow the protocol because i'm taking you on an adventure when you get back spa island or whatever the fuck i'm gonna find (laughs) i did get a gift card to a spa oh good you can use it some other time (laughs) when you're feeling overwhelmed yeah so um my i mean my mom did an amazing job of um coordinating corralling uh, etc. And 
she was treating it like a bridal shower. So um, I, I had I, I had to keep energy. saying no to things. <laughs> yeah, no, I love the energy. I love the vibe. Con Con did a great job. <laughs> and I am, did end up grabbing a gluten-free cookie. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. It was delicious. But anyway. They were really good. I mean, they were actually, the gluten-free cookie and cake were both really good to the point where I was like, are, are we sure? <laughs> things are gluten-free like i'm a little nervous i know actually I tasted look, good so it's funny because i looked on the i looked on the bottom of the cookie because you can tell at this point if there's a if the, the texture there right so if like it's real flour dough then you can see that there's a seam where the dough overlapped and they rolled it out when it's gluten-free dough there's no seams it's usually just like a pattern on the bottom because it was pressed mm. uh-huh yeah interesting that's so that's how I knew. And then I had Seth taste it to make double sure I wasn't in for a bad time. He's like, nope, that tastes like gluten-free to me. Because he'll, <laughs> he'll still eat the gloobs on occasion. You know, he can. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, it was great to... Um, oh, wait, what else did you have to say no to? Well, like, she asked me, if, like if I was going to open my gifts, like, well, how was I going to open oh. my gifts? Like, well, like she thought like, like a bridal shower, like I was going to open my gifts while All I right, was there. Gather around. We're going to do the gift yeah. opening now. I was like, no, I'm not going to open my gifts. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Um, I didn't even think about that part. That would have been fucking funny, Nicole. Yeah. Right, everybody she, shut up. Nicole's opening her gifts. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, you know, you try to ride that line between like, grateful and not being a bitch um because the way that I am is very much different than the way that my mom is in regards to traditions and um old school way of celebrating right yeah and she is very much stuck in traditions that that, yeah that pattern and I'm just like no I don't like doing any of these things ah well you know what you let her do it for you at the higher level (laughs) and that's what counts the most she did a great job Who's yeah I joking i was joking with jamie that that's like you know imagine if that was your wedding i was like no that would have been connie's wedding <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> yeah so hey she got to plan something really important and impactful for you so that's mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. fantastic job mm-hmm Pressure. yeah so i mean it was just like little stuff like i wasn't gonna wear a crown um i mean hard no yeah well and so it's all with the best of intentions Mm -hmm. but yeah not your anyway not your style not your vibe hey man it's cool you were cozy and you were super cute in your dress and you had your sash on which helped me find you all day (laughs) (laughs) yeah i did i wore the sash I did do that. I had my my one piece of flair. So <laughs> it just makes me think of office space, you know, because Jennifer Aniston was working at that like Bennigan's or Applebee's yes. type restaurant and they had and to Hannigan's. have like certain amounts of flair, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I am definitely the Jennifer Aniston in this scenario of like, mm, I think we've got enough. Yeah, I think we've maxed out. I think this is good. <laughs> um, we achieved our goal. We can move forward. <laughs> but it was uh, pretty amazing to see. I don't know. I think it ended up probably being around like 45 people or something yeah, all come it together. A, it was a blend um, of humans. That was a good time. Yeah. So it was my first time, though, really having to try to visit with that many people or you know stop yeah. by and chat with that many people Be and um purpose with everybody yeah so my throat actually hurt oh god on saturday <laughs> from talking so much <laughs> like not having enough like water like i couldn't like i couldn't eat and drink or like keep my water intake up while also maneuvering about and chatting with everybody and stuff and so I got got home on Saturday and I and I was just like oh my god 
my throat my throat hurts so oh that's awesome but you know that's how much that's how much I was visiting and enjoying everybody's company yeah but you killed it you made plenty of rounds we saw all those fun people that we love and I got to meet some family members which Jess of course introduced me as the other part of her podcast and I was like yep nice to meet you I say some pretty terrible things there and I'm probably gonna do it again today in real life and they were just like "Uh uh-huh nice to meet you (laughs) wow but it's nice to meet you too uncle (laughs) they probably don't even remember that I have a podcast yeah who knows it was funny though it was really good time really really good time so happy birthday miss Nicole Thank you. Welcome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to 40s. Yeah. Prospects are looking pretty a-okay in your book right now. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I mean, things just seem to get better every decade. Yeah, you don't have kids. You're self-employed. You can literally do whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want. I mean, the world is your literal oyster at this point. Yeah, it's a little overwhelming quite daunting actually sometimes yeah. <laughs> you sleep at night <laughs> sure do sure do except for the occasional spin out where i'm like what am i doing with my life <laughs> that's right panic for nearly 24 hours and then things for some reason just settle back down you're like ah. <laughs> there's, the, there's the occasional spin out um right before actually (laughs) when i was uh talking to my therapist i said you know like i am like what am i doing like what do i want to do like it does it feels like a weird plateau slash transition i don't know and so it's very midlife crisis ish um and she was actually not like excited but she reacted in a way where she was almost expecting me to say something. <laughs> I, because apparently it's very common to kind of have thoughts about like, what are, like, what's my purpose? <laughs> Wait, what am I doing again? Why am as I you, here? As you come on the precipice of right. being 40. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we were told when we were younger or like I so I maybe watched my parents do this where my dad was a trade he was a tradesman but my mom was in corporate America and so was Peach and my uncle who lived next door so like I always thought you're where you were supposed to get like a you know big girl job and and work there and pay your bills and that would afford your fun life that you wanted to live and so that's where I and still currently but it's not helping me afford the the fun life I wanted to live it's just I'm surviving yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. little Sarah is stoked because in theory we made it right but then right now Sarah's like but inflation (laughs) (laughs) right and you know being the typical millennials that we are and I'm a cusper Truly, so I have excellent video. That video I sent you. I don't know which one you're talking about. I'll send it again. But I uh, have lived through multiple recessions, <laughs> pandemics. I mean, swine flu. Like you, like I mean, you name it. And swine anthrax. Can't forget anthrax. And my generation has been in it. <laughs> we've gone through uh you know bankruptcy and like multiple times um <laughs> i feel like we're that era well maybe we survived like, low fat cream cheese i mean God, we have really the atkins diet we've been through some things <laughs> we've seen some shit <laughs> genuinely have seen some shit like yeah i feel like we're so there's this chick on Instagram who is the generation before millennial and she's like we're the we're this last generation of fuck around and find out in real life like we will yeah, hit you. Yeah, Gen Xers. <laughs> yeah. That's why I said I'm a cusper so I have like a little bit of both. <laughs> I know. Well, same, yeah, cuz it's like 
good lord i was in latchkey my parents weren't always around but my sister had my parents so it's like my sister's more of a millennial than i am because she had that real millennial experience whereas like i got locked out of the house when i was little i didn't i was i got put into latchkey when i was like 10 12 years old already before then no no sir no ma'am we were riding solo on occasion Mm -hmm. and yeah i never i wasn't allowed in the house on the in the summertime Mm. like all sorts of fun stuff drinking from the hose again not allowed in the house yeah yeah i know i've seen those videos where they're like uh you drank from the hose because that's what was available (laughs) right it wasn't a choice Mm -hmm. it was it was access is either you don't I feel like I was babysitting other people's children when I was 12. I was. And now people are like, they're all, they're 12. I got to keep the camera on. I got to know exactly what's happening. Like, yeah, wait, why are you coddling them? <laughs> I'm pretty sure this bitch over in 1912 at 12 years old decided she wanted to be a dancer for the rest of her life. And that's what she did. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think 12 years old is actually that stage where you got it figured out. It's just. Now they're playing that game of how much can I get away with being a child still. That's really what's happening. <laughs> so anyway, speaking of uh, women who 12. make life altering decisions, <laughs> I got one at 10 years old, like changing their name or uh, supporting the family. Yeah. Um, <laughs> On a whim. Yeah. All of a sudden they're going to be a queen. Um who do you have for us today? Well, we have Miss Nellie Bly. You've never heard of her. No. But she actually did. She was like a jack of all trades, maybe almost a little bit. Like I started looking into her and recognized that I wanted probably to do a two to three parter on her just because like she was so iconic in my world after reading it but we'll get into the high level short and sassy of it all <laughs> okay i'm ready yeah so ms ms bly so nelly bly she was born may 5th 1864 um she was born elizabeth cochran uh or i'm sorry elizabeth jane cochran and um she's known for several things <laughs> she Took a trip around the world in 72 days to emulate the fictional character from um, uh, the fictional character uh, Phileas Fogg, the book around the world. And what is it? Are you saying full sentences? Yeah, no, my brain's male. I'm like stroking (laughs) out because I had it all in my head. So the, the guy that wrote this journey to the center of the earth and the around the world in 90 days or whatever that book was she wanted to emulate that fictional character and so she went around the world in 72 days so she was oh okay first first for that and she was a woman okay gotcha she did an expo as a where she worked undercover to report on mental report on a mental institution (laughs) from the i need to take my treatments tomorrow I should have taken my medication. <laughs> this is part of myasthenia gravis. You sound loaded, but your tongue's just sticky. <laughs> I'm, I'm sober. That's the worst part. Okay. So she did an expose where she worked undercover to report on a mental institution from the inside which in, then in turn launched a new kind of investigative journalism. And I wrote, go queen. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so she was born in, uh, she was born in Pennsylvania in Cochran Mills, which is now Bureau Township, Armstrong County, Pennsylvania. So the background, her dad Michael Cochran, who was born in 1810, he started as a laborer, a mill worker. He actually ended up buying the the land around the mill, the mill itself, and most of the land surrounding the farmhouse. So he would later become a merchant, a postmaster, and associate justice at Cochran Mills, which was obviously then named after him. So 
he established himself and he created a life for himself um he he created his own money he didn't lose it remarkable yeah what year is this um 1810 between okay. 1810 and 1864 so he was hustling he was moving and grooving okay ready for this he was married two times the first marriage he had 10 fucking kids 10 of them with Catherine murphy i don't know what happened to Catherine. then he got married and had five more with mary jane kennedy no no slouch there (laughs) (laughs) she was his 13th child and unfortunately she was six when he passed wow but she had again she came from affluence if you will cochran mills Mm -hmm. she was often called pink due to wearing it all the time um but as she got older she wanted to be more sophisticated so she dropped the pink nickname and went ahead and changed her surname to cochran spelled with an e at the end i don't know how the enunciate how it's enunciated i imagine there's some sort of hyphen or whatever the fuck at the top of the e cochrane i don't know what they're trying to do but to me in the English language that is right now, it's the same name, just with an E at the end. Okay. So I didn't really dive into a lot of her personal life stuff either because she had done so much. So if you guys are curious about her personal life, you can certainly Google her and find a ton more. Um, She was a sass pot, though. So um, in about... 1879 she enrolled in indiana normal school which is now indiana university of pennsylvania but she was only able to go for one term because they didn't have any money and then by 1880 her mom moved them the family to allegheny city which is now part of the city of pittsburgh so they moved out of the cochran mills establishment and went on and moved into the city so by 1885, um, how old is she at this point? 20-ish something years old. When they were in the city, <clears throat> there was a paper called the Pittsburgh Dispatch. It was a publication that had a column in it titled, What Good Girls Are For? Stating, girls were principally for giving birth and keeping the house. The fury. Like, I'm furious about it. Nellie was even more furious about it. But she was still going by Elizabeth by then, by the way. She was so furious that she responded under the pseudonym Lonely Orphan Girl. And the in what she wrote, the editor was very impressed with her passion and offered her an opportunity to write a piece for the newspaper under the same name. She took him up on the offer, and her first article was called The Puzzle Girl, or The Girl Puzzle, that argued that all not all women would marry... And what women actually needed were better fucking jobs. (laughs) Amen. Yes. Her second article was called Mad Marriages, and it was about how divorce impacted women. She argued for reform of divorce laws. Because I think that back in the day when they got divorced, when people got divorced, men got everything and left women high and dry with the children, basically. Well... it that is one scenario the Mm -hmm. other is that we from what we know of previous stories men don't have shit and then they hey they get off with not having to provide support and get their shit together there's that also yep there's that lens too yep Mm -hmm. so a lot of the stories that we've read from the early 1900s is that the guy gambled his money away or he had bad investments or he thought that he was a businessman, but he really wasn't. And so when there was divorce, mom, he had nothing to give, but he also didn't, wasn't ordered by a court to figure it the fuck out. The women did. And then that's why you have women or girls, I should say, because let's say they're 10 
starting to support a family. Yep. <sighs> but yeah, so she was furious. She wrote in. Um, obviously, she was a proponent of women's rights. And um, in her second article, it was published under the byline of Nellie Bly, not Lonely Orphan Girl. It was very common for women to use pen names, and her editor was inspired by the popular song Nellie Bly. However, the editor wrote Nellie with an I-E at the end instead of a Y by mistake, and it stuck. So there is a song called Nellie Bly, but it's spelled N-E-L-L-Y. After the article, the editor was incredibly impressed and actually offered her a real job. So at this stage, she's working at the Pittsburgh Dispatch. In early times, she focused on the lives of working women and wrote a series of investigative articles on women in the factories. So she would go and talk to them and figure out, you know, what's going on, talk about things being disparaging, and then write about it. But eventually, the newspaper received so many complaints from factory owners, she was redirected onto the women's pages to cover fashion, society, and gardening the more typical role for women journalists at the time Mm -hmm. so i lied she was only 21 at the time she was really pissy about it and she decided to do something no girl has done before that's a direct quote uh so what did she do she went to mexico to serve as a foreign correspondent she spent nearly six months living and reporting on the lives and culture of the mexican people she was with um in one report she protested the imprisonment of a local journalist journalist for criticizing the mexican government you can imagine she didn't really stay for that much longer (laughs) because the authorities learned of the article i was like uh yeah there's a hit on her life (laughs) yeah well don't forget she was corresponding to the united states so it took Mm -hmm. a minute for the mexican government to catch wind of the article so she had a little bit of lead time there but once the authorities learned of the article they threatened arrest she fled immediately and she made it home safely then she accused porfino diaz who was the dictator at the time of being a tyrannical tyrannical how do you say that word tyrannical no i I yeah, like a tyrant, like a tyrannical, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So that uh, tyrannical czar suppressing the people and controlling the press. Later, her articles would be published in a book called Six Months in Mexico. So she made it out of Mexico. She was only here for six months. Okay. 1887, she came back. How to did, I wonder who she found to fund this for her. The Pittsburgh Dispatch did. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They sent her down to be their uh, journalist, like a correspondent journalist, because, you know, they didn't have the news on TV or anything like mm-hmm. that. So that's mm-hmm. like world reporting, essentially. Okay. Yeah. So in 1887, she came, 1887, she came back to Pittsburgh D- Dispatch after um, and was put on theater and arts reporting. She fucking hated it. <laughs> and so she left New York City. <laughs> Like, within the same year. She was like, no, fuck this. I'm out. So, uh, she then decided to move to New York City as well. So, in 1887, she moved to New York City. She tried for several months to gain a job in journalism and could not break through since she was a fucking woman. After about four months, she ended up talking to her. She talked her way into the offices of um, New York World, which was ran by John Pulitzer. So this is the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. She gained an undercover assignment. Ready for this? Mm. She agreed to feign slash act insane to investigate the brutality and negligent ongoings at the Women's Lunatic Asylum on Blackwell's Island, now named Roosevelt Island. I wonder how she knew how to act that way. Here we go. You ready? It was not easy for her to do this. She first (laughs) checked herself into a boarding house called Temporary Homes for Females. (laughs) (laughs) Very literal. No mistaking that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So 
she kept herself up all night to give herself that i'm quoting wide-eyed looked of a disturbed woman <laughs> and then while she was there she started to accuse the other boarders of being insane <laughs> yeah nothing like throwing off your circadian rhythm to <laughs> make you go nuts <laughs> or at least appear that way right exactly uh... Uh, it's so funny gosh i wish i would have actually come across this other article that i've got before it was done because she's got she's something else um she i just saw one of the notes i wrote i am off for new york look out for me why that was the only thing she said (laughs) 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 that was the note she left on the fucking table and she bailed so Mm. yeah so then she's in this boarding home she's accusing others of being insane she told the assistant matron, there are so many crazy people about and one can never tell what they will do. She then refused to go to bed, eventually scaring the shit out of so many boarders that the police were summoned to take her to the courthouse. <laughs> Intentional menace. Engage. <laughs> so I'm assuming that this temporary boarding house is either going to put you on the path to criminal (laughs) you go to jail or you get claimed to be insane (laughs) it's like your options are we kick you out of here and you go into a a cell for criminals or you go into a cell for those who are mentally incapable (laughs) one or the other you're getting fucked over (laughs) okay so she successfully confused or i should say duped the woman in the temporary home for females the police officer that came to take her to the courthouse the judge who ordered her to be put at the the home and the doctor that did her medical evaluation they all deemed she was crazy enough to take her to the asylum. Like, maybe she picked up something when she was attending all those theater shows and doing. Maybe. I don't know because if she that's actually like attended. that's quite the acting job to never fall out of character, <laughs> and at no point just kind of snap out of it and be like, "Wait, is this what I really want to do?" But yeah, so she went ahead and acted like a lunatic for a minute. Got herself into the actual um, asylum itself. She was there for 10 days. So she was able to experience the atrocious, atrocious, atrocious conditions firsthand. Um, she was released thanks to the newspaper she reported for. So they came and saved her. Um, and she published a report on October 9th, 1887. Um, she, she says, and I quote, but let, but here, let me say one thing from the moment I entered the insane asylum, the, the insane ward on the Island, I made no attempt to keep up my assumed role of insanity. I talked and acted just as I do in my normal life. Yet strange to say, the more I sanely talked and acted, the crazier I thought I was thought to be by all except for one physician whose kindness and gentle ways I shall not soon forget. Huh. Right. Sounds like a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm like, what was the purpose of going back to sounding like a sane person? She, at that point, wasn't trying to be in there. She just wanted to report out firsthand on what was going on. So she wasn't trying yeah. to convince anybody at that point. She was already in the system. Yeah. And I guess she's just, she, as an observer, she didn't need to. I was no. taking it as, like, them literally treating her. Yeah. You know. Well, it took them 10 days to get her out. So, okay. So some some sources say it was reported on, or re- report was out on the 9th. And some say it was on the 10th. But um, she, let's see, 
the it originally appeared appeared in the as a two-part illustrated series uh the first one was called behind a salem bars um and it was an expose on the abuses that the island had ongoing and uh the next installment was published on october 16th titled inside the madhouse so she had kind of like a you know uh what is it called centerfold if you will two separate times for this article and the the actual um fame that she acquired well the sensation that it prompted first caused the asylum to implement reforms that brought her lasting fame so before the budget appropriation for the department of public charities and corrections was only at 1.5 million when she was done it was bumped up to 2.34 million and 500 or 50k was specifically designated for blackwell's asylum fortunately seven years after the expose was published the asylum closed Mm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. so that report too was eventually uh published in a book called 10 days into in 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 the madhouse or at a madhouse i don't i typed it wrong and i don't know where it's at anymore but um she had this is a quote she had a significant impact on american culture and shed light on the experiences of marginalized women beyond the bounds of the asylum and she has ushered in the era of stunt girl journalism so with that literal stunt she pulled she created a whole new facet for journalists or a whole new arena if you will for journalists to kind of participate in because nobody had ever done that before so Mm -hmm. she was the first also she went under the alias nelly brown not nelly bly when she was going through all of this so that was the other thing too she wasn't doing it on under her own name air quotes um so by 1893 she was actually able to use her celebrity status and i'm quoting i'm doing air quotes celebrity status to schedule an exclusive interview with the allegedly insane serial killer lizzie halliday whose story is absolutely fucking insane i highly recommend somebody go and look them up or just one of us do the story she's a nutbag so i'm gonna go into that because i couldn't go any further i wanted to do her story instead after that oh my gosh (laughs) Well, she sounds more like a true crime story. 100%. Yep. So um, and I'm going to quote from the biographer Brooke Kroger. She argued her two-part series in October was a sensation, effectively launching the decade of a stunt or uh, the decade of stunt or detective reporting, a clear precursor to investigative journalism and one of Joseph Pulitzer's innovations that helped give new journalism of the 1880s and 1890s its moniker. The employment of stunt girls has often been dismissed as a uh, circulation-boosting gimmick of the sensational press. However, the genre also proved women with their first collection, uh, with their first collective opportunity to demonstrate that as a class, they had the skills necessary for the highest level of general reporting. The stunt girls, with Bly as their prototype, were the first women to enter the journalistic mainstream in the 20th century. So by her doing that one thing she changed so much for the people that for the women that were trying to follow in her footsteps essentially Um, yeah that's amazing i mean thankfully she didn't get hurt or right or no wrongly uh medicated or whatever (laughs) i mean wrongly medicated sit still stab I mean, I it sounds dangerous to an extent. Like, Honestly, I, I want to read like the actual articles because she does identify like the conditions of neglect and abuse. Um, some patients were prof- mentally ill. Some just needed professional care and others were just yeah. sent there by their families. So it's like, yeah, they had so many random things happening. I mean, and there's only so many people who have the balls to sit across from somebody who murders people. There's that also. Yeah. There is that. Somebody might be because a little too insane. Serial killers weren't even really given the name or an archetype <laughs> until 1970s when male FBI agents, and it's like, okay, well, Nellie sat down <laughs> with a woman who could have just attacked her from across the table. 
seriously. Absolutely. A long, long time ago. So So it's kind of ridiculous that it took like a hundred years to even get the recognition that a serial killer is a name and is a thing and that there's, (laughs) which I mean, maybe I'm wrong about my timing. I don't claim to be. No, you're right. Historian. Right. Yep. But. So just so we went back to her, Lizzie Holiday was an Irish American serial killer responsible for the deaths of four people in upstate New York during the 1890s. In 94, she became the first woman to be sentenced to death by electric chair. Yeah. Not bad. But I'm sure she was pushed mentally at her edge. She was on the brink of crazy. (laughs) But But you don't hear about this work that Nellie did. No. It took literally like almost 100 years, (laughs) like 80 to 100 years. (laughs) before it became mainstream information and it's due to men in the fbi oh well here we are (laughs) you know maybe in a hundred years we're going to be known for something powerful i'm sure that there's female um psychologists and things too who deserve credit and recognition for probably journaling about (laughs) these types of women um or murderers or whatever but uh but nobody in an authoritative role was there to deem it or coin it yeah it makes sense anyway i'll get off my no i'm cool all right i mean as long as you're comfortable getting off because you can get back on as long as you want uh So by 1888, she suggested to her editor that she take a trip around the world, attempting to turn the fictional story around the world in 80 days from 1973. 1873. Yeah. Into fact. Okay. Muscle memory. So a year later, on November 14, 1889, at 9.40 a.m., after only two days of notice in Hoboken, New Jersey... She boarded the Augusta Victoria. It was a steamer of the Hamburg American line, and she started her 40,070-kilometer journey. While she was traveling around the world, she couldn't report out as often, and the paper started a Nellie Bly guessing match game in which readers were asked to guesstimate when she would arrive down to the second. Um, And in turn, the grand prize was a trip to Europe and some money to spend while they were there. So she went through England, France. Um, she met Jules Verne, the guy that wrote the book. And she went to the Suez Canal. She went to Ceylon. She went to um, the Straits settlements of uh, Penang and Singapore, Hong Kong, and Japan. So she went all kinds of different places. Um, and after 72 days... She was back in New York. She circumnavigated the globe and traveled alone for almost the entire trip, which is kind of badass. Uh, She held the world record for just a few months, and then George Francis train did the journey in 67 days. So fuck you, George Francis, for stealing her thunder. She did it first. I know. People can't see, but I was just shaking my head. (laughs) Yeah, in disgust. (laughs) so when she got back her fanfare was so great she was able to quit reporting and took a very lucrative job writing several novels for the weekly newspaper new york family story paper (laughs) again with these names literal yes um then between 1889 and 95 she wrote about 11 novels unfortunately only a few papers survived and the novels were almost lost until 2021 when an author called david blixt announced he had discovered them in monroe's british weekly the london story paper so i didn't dive any further into those but thankfully a majority of her works were found huh that was only a couple years ago so although she did write through 1895 she returned to new york world to report um here and there on occasion <laughs> so in 1895 she also married millionaire manufacturer robert seaman mm. the last name seaman mm-hmm. uh i wonder how they met but who knows 
I'm just like, I'm picturing the canoodling that was going on between those two. Right. Well, <laughs> my favorite part is there's a little bit of an age gap. Yeah. There. Yeah. A <laughs> little bit of an age gap. So I, it, somebody somewhere says that she was 21. I think she was like 31 at ish at this time. She had to have been. Yeah. And he was He was 21 when you were telling us that she did her like first. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. So there's no way. No. Yeah. So she was seven. He was 73. Yeah. Since he was ancient and his health was failing, she left writing to succeed her husband as the head of the ironclad manufacturing company making steel containers such as milk cans and boilers. Mm -hmm. Okay, girl, get it. Mm-hmm. he passed away in 1904 and that same year the company started manufacturing the steel barrel that was the model for the 55 gallon drum that is still widespread used today in the u.s and other places um some people claim bly was the inventor but the actual patent was registered to henry Warhan. so it's very possible she had a part to play because she too was a patent holder she held two one was for a novel milk can, and the other one was for stacking garbage cans, both under her married name, Elizabeth Cochrane Seaman. <laughs> At one point, though, she was the leading woman in the like group of we- uh, leading women industrialists in the U.S. However, she was a little negligent. And one of her factory workers embezzled some money, which resulted in the ironclad manufacturing company to go bankrupt. Dang. I know. So um, per her, the, her biographer, Brooke Kroger, again, quoting, she ran her company as a model of social welfare, welf- welfare replete with health benefits and recreational facilities. But Bly was hopeless at understanding the financial aspects of her business and ultimately lost everything. Unscrupulous employees bilked from the firm, bilked the firm of hundreds of thousands of dollars, troubles compounded and protracted in the cost and costly bankrupt litigation. So again, she was for the people, but she wasn't good at the like paperwork side of things. Um, yeah she might not truly have an understanding though of how to keep track of finances for a company that's like that i mean it's and at some point she's taking guesses or she's trusting the wrong people or whatever Mm -hmm. because that that language that goes into the accounting of a company that's buying raw materials and whatnot i can only imagine that she's just like okay you want 50 cents for steel <laughs> like okay totally, okay <laughs> but yeah 100%. like i don't even know what that means i just made that up like that could be <laughs> ridiculous like somebody listening might be like what are you talking about but yeah for an ounce um, of it, sure that works <laughs> yeah but you know unless she had trustworthy people she could fact check with i don't know how she would be expected to know yeah well i mean i think that it was just the employees that she had running she would didn't have respect because she was a woman so they took her money um okay well not only that she was a woman but she inherited it and you know yeah there's they saw vulnerability agreed completely agreed so um by 1913 she covered the women's suffrage procession for the uh the New York Evening Journal, the article called "Suffragettes, uh, Suffra- Suffragettes are men's superiors," and she accurate. Uh, <laughs> let me try this again. The article was called Suffra- "Suffragettes are men's superiors," and she accurately predicted within the article that women wouldn't see the ability to vote until 1920. So you know that was seven years later. She was right. Um, she also wrote stories on Europe's Eastern Front during World War One, as she was the first woman to go. Um, what did I write there? She was the first woman. 
There we go. She was the first woman and one of the first foreigners to visit the war zone between Serbia and Austria. She was arrested as she was mistaken by the as the uh, British spy. <laughs> so we're like, are you a Brit? Are you a spy? And she's like, no, I'm an American journalist. We're like, yep, you're a British spy. And they arrested her. <laughs> well, we've covered a couple of stories where women got away with being spies because they weren't expected. And at this point, I'm sure there were there were officials and governments that were catching on because there were so many females who had gotten away with it. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> um so uh, her her unfortunate demise came in January of 1922 on the on the day 20 on January 27th, 1922. She passed by pneumonia at age 57 in St. Mark's Hospital in New York City. And she is now at the Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx, New York. So. It's so crazy to think that somebody who was able to travel the world by themselves. Got pneumonia. Would get back. taken out by pneumonia. Yeah. A little rattle in your lungs, huh? <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> I know. And it's kind of like kind of a dick move universe yeah and i don't know what the average lifespan was for that not that long that time frame but still 57 sounds a little young yeah well i mean her husband at the time died when he was in his 70s so i have imagined it was somewhere around that part whatever yeah Yeah, i mean it's still it sounds a little young to die from pneumonia you're like was there something else happening who knows who knows like i said i wanted to get more to her personal life but like the actions that she had were very important too but there's a lot of things extracurricular outside of this so um there was a board game called around the world with nelly bly that was created in 1980 and is um named in recognition of her trip the nelly bly amusement park in brooklyn new york city was named after her taking its theme around the world in 80 days the park reopened in 2007 um and under new management, they renamed it Adventures Amusement Park. So it was only just recently, within the last 30 years. God bless. That was a long time ago. Oh, my God. It's 2023. <laughs> <laughs> In my head, 30 years ago is still the 70s. So Right. I know. A large species of tarantula from Ecuador was actually named after her uh in her honor in 2022 by the archaeologists <laughs> a fireboat named nelly bly operated in toronto canada in the first decade of the 20th century from early in the 20th century um until 1961 the pennsylvania railroad operated an express train named the nelly bly on route between new york and atlantic city bypassing philadelphia so she had a That's tugboat. Nice. She had a tugboat, a board game, um, a route. Um, she has been featured as a protagonist in novels by the David Blix guy who found her stories. Marshall Goldberg, Dan Jorgensen, Carol McCleary, um, like four, six other ones. Um she uh was a fictionalized account. Um, in the 2010 comic book, Julie Walker is the phantom. She is one of 100 women featured in the first version of the book, good night stories for rebel girls. Let's see. She had a ton of film and television stuff happening around her. She was portrayed in a several different films, um, throughout time, starting in 81. It's the first one I think that I've seen. Um, it was called Adventures of Nellie Bly, uh, and then in 2015, 10 Days in a Madhouse, and Escaping the Madhouse, the Nellie Bly story, which happened in 2019. Um, the Center for Investigative Reporting also released a Nellie Bly Makes the News, a short animated biological film. A fictionalized version of Bly as a mouse, a mouse named Nellie Bree. Uh, was a central character in the animated film American Tale, The Mystery of the Night Monster. List goes on. Um, she's got... She was also the subject of season two, episode five of The West Wing. 
in which the First Lady Abby Bartlett dedicates a memorial in Pennsylvania in honor of Nellie and convinces the president to mention her and other female historical figures during his weekly radio address. Um, she was <laughs> the subject of two episodes on the Drunk History series on Comedy Central. <laughs> I can't wait to listen to those. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, it's interesting that she's been mentioned so much in mainstream media, you know, during times that we've been alive and an adult to actually recognize it, but still are unfamiliar. I agree. She's got kind of all sorts of accolades. She was a subject of a a few musicals. Um, She was uh, in 98, she was inducted into the national women's hall of fame she was one of four journalists honored with a U.S. postage stamp women in journalism set in 2002. In 2019, the Roosevelt Island Operating Corporation put out an all call for artists to create a memorial art installation for Roosevelt Island. And um, the winner was announced in 2019. The piece is called The Puzzle Girl Puzzle, and it opened to the public in 2001 or 2021. Mm. Um, yeah, pretty freaking cool. The New York, the New York Press Club, they have an annual L- Nellie Bly Cub Reporter Journalism Award um, to acknowledge the best journalistic effort by an individual with three years or fewer of professional experience. And in 2020, it was awarded to Claudia um, Isereni, a point of the city, which I don't know what that means, but pretty important and then i believe that's you know that's pretty much it we can wrap it up there she was a pretty remarkable lady had a lot a lot a lot going on and made a very huge impact on history but she's just not that well known again well thank you for sharing her story because that is wild i can't imagine at that time that she was growing up and being 21 in the late 1800s and being like fuck all y'all i'm going like, to the, i'm going to the insane asylum I'll eat <laughs> <dicks>. just... <laughs> oh uh, wow well just... you know what'll happen now is that i'll hear her name all over the place right <laughs> as soon as we start looking for it nelly bly is gonna show up yeah yeah how cool though right so cool like she struggled for sure but she made it work and it was merely gumption that's it because i mean not only did she kick (laughs) off um certain types of investigative reporting as a woman but just in general yeah as a human like nobody thought hey i should i should act to get more info from people that's a good idea let me go well, undercover as a crazy person <laughs> yeah right i just well, like thank how you when, yeah you're welcome i personally just like how the more sane she was once she made it in the more insane everybody else thought that she was like no i see their paradigm is very off they've, they've they're in a parallel universe there right i know i see you putting on an act eat these pills now <laughs> I'm not crazy. Oh, man. I'm just thankful that the newspaper, The World, got her out of there before she had to, like, be there forever permanently. Because things would not have changed. (laughs) No. No. Yeah, like I said, that takes a lot of balls. So Most balls. (laughs) The most balls wow um well fun little birthday story for me today i appreciate Mm -hmm. it it's um at a girl time now where we pat ourselves on the back for something good that we've done or uh that's happened to us so obviously i've had a lot of great things happen to me so as an at a girl to myself it's um the fact that I've maintained 40 years. <laughs> I've maintained so many friendships and connections and 
have a extremely loving family that um I was able to celebrate with so many people that I care about and I mean I would have actually loved to have invited more um but when I started thinking about it like the newest friend that was at that party like the person that I had known the least amount of time was like 10 years so Mm -hmm. these people have been in my life for forever like my friends are 20 years 25 yeah they're yes and so I'm just you you taught me how to be a friend I'm gonna say it again you taught me how to be a friend (laughs) you taught me how to be a good friend so I'm not surprised that you have a gaggle of humans that are at the best caliber of humans for you as a friend because you are a good friend well thank you you deserve the best because you you. are the best yeah well no thank you (laughs) (laughs) I mean I I still keep in contact casually with like some people that I went to school with but not like a ton um so some people might be saying well I have friends from all my friends are from middle school or high school or whatever. I feel like that's actually very rare. Yeah. And um, a lot of my friendships were formed as more like a young adult. And it's pretty incredible that we've been able to grow together. That I'm like 40 to- and I still have the same friends I had when I was 20, you know? Right. I like to call us intentional friends. Well, yeah. And... I mean, part of the reason also that there wasn't anybody there that I've been friends with for like less than 10 years is because I am team no new friends as well. <laughs> We're booked. But- Thank you. We're booked solid. <laughs> I no actually did. List. I actually did invite a couple of people, though, who have become more recent friends over the last couple of years or whatever. They just happen to not be able to attend. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> But I very much am like, my cup is full and I have the privilege and the honor to be like, I don't need any more friends. I was able to get 50 people to come together on the middle of Saturday afternoon um, and all all mingle. We stayed forever. We all stayed for the full three fucking hours. Like we were all there for the whole time. I know. Because that's how much we love you. (laughs) So yeah, team no new friends. You keep that up, sis. We don't need any new people in our lives. (laughs) I'm the last one. I'm the gatekeeper. (laughs) Actually, I think it's my, um, either my friend, Michelle, that I met from doing yoga, which that, that might be 10 years or my friend, Trisha, who was my old neighbor. Both yeah. of them are like, I met them kind of around the same time or yeah. I not met, but like became more friendly with them around right. the same time. So those two are like the newest. Yeah. But they're still <laughs> that like, were there. I, I've known them for almost 10 years. Shit. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Well, <sighs> my Atta girl isn't so warm and fuzzy. <laughs> oh, it's still supposed to be positive though no it's positive for sure because i did i made progress so uh my (laughs) garden (laughs) you're really gonna have to start picking new ones well you're right here's why so you've almost almost fall time you've almost ran out of varying garden options (laughs) well here i did i actually worked on this shit today so my the garden had a cucumber wall if you will and the the cucumbers were not doing well because of the weather so they got fungus and bacteria and they quit producing fruit and and i just kind of sadly watched it die for i don't know two three weeks because the weather we've had in michigan hasn't been good and hot and you know able to help these plants stave off shit like that So finally on Sunday, I woke up and I decided to pump myself up and I did just that. I drank my little cup of coffee and instead of just sitting around and not doing things, not knowing what to do with myself on a Sunday, thinking like, hey, you know, that's okay. It's your day off. I actually did put in some work and I went and pulled down and ripped down the cucumber wall that was dying. And I um, 
fixed up. I zhuzhed up my tomato plants in an effort to hopefully they will all turn red before the summer is over. But yeah, I'm proud of myself because that was a few hours worth of work. And then after that, I proceeded to go to the meat market, the grocery store, and the pet food store. So full day on Sunday. Okay. Proud of me. Look at you go. And I was in bed by 930. <laughs> That's a little cherry on top there. <laughs> it's not you just not normally i get to have all of those things and on saturday i accomplish socializing like i feel i'm feeling strong yeah. hmm. see since i over peopled I, <laughs> I did a lot of peopling on saturday i didn't really people much at all i didn't leave the house on sunday it actually took me a little while to get motivated yeah you're gonna really have to figure that out come grease time sis because you have a lot of socializing to do <laughs> my only goal when i go to greece as far as like socializing goes is to make one of those tiktok videos where the girls say like i'm here for the monuments and then just show up a, a bunch of pictures or videos of the men that they meet you know men. <laughs> they're like bartender their server their captain i genuinely want you to do your best to get a selfie with each one of those monuments <laughs> i have a selfie stick on the way good i want you to go sightseeing and capture all of the monuments please and thank you <laughs> <laughs> that's why i said like that's my that's my socializing goal <laughs> i'm i went to greece for the sightseeing montage I see it now. <laughs> yeah. When you get back, we'll make the footage. It'll be great. We'll do it together. <laughs> I have a vision. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's my you pray love <laughs> adventure. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, you did just say, well, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. So maybe it is your eat, pray, love. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're setting we're setting very low goals, bare minimum of just capturing pictures of beautiful European men. You know what? Whatever makes you happy. <laughs> I'm here to support your happiness, your dreams. <laughs> I'm, I'm not your buzzkill. That's somebody else's job. <laughs> uh, so over the next two weeks, we will uh, having replays. No new, episodes. no new friends, no new episodes. There's a theme here. <laughs> But if you liked what you heard today, please rate, review, subscribe. It means a lot to us to um, get those numbers up and for people to actually listen, submit them. I mean, it's very helpful in the algorithm. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so if you could, please um, follow us also on social media on Instagram at homance underscore chronicles. You can request a hoe of history for us to do in the DMs or comments. And you can get homance merch on my Etsy shop, Etsy uh what's it? Etsy dot shop Etsy.com slash shop slash Nicole Bonneville. Yep, that one's it. Um Just search <laughs> Nicole Bonneville and Etsy. You'll find her. <laughs> That's what it is. And you can also email us um, a hoe of history request at homancepodcast at gmail.com. So thanks for oh, listening. Yeah. And homance the fuck out. Germany coming. Germany. Germany. Greek. Greece. <laughs> Greece. <laughs> I was like, don't have me ending up in the wrong country. <laughs> oh, God. I didn't mean that. Universe, I take that back. Homance out. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha